you getting on my last. Say it again. You getting on my last. Y'all ever try to figure out where that nerve is? Try to keep somebody from getting on it. <laughs> well, you heard that all the time, right? How many of y'all still say it? Still say it? Yeah. Getting on my last nerve. For some reason, as I was preparing this message, that kept on popping in my head. Because like sometimes you got to hold on when things are getting on your last. All right, hold that thought, okay? Uh, we're going to look at God's word today. We talk about holding on. And I'm going to look at a couple scenarios. So what I'm going to have you guys do, if you got your Bibles out, or if you have the Bible app, I want you guys to kind of read along with me in a couple areas. Some of them I won't, but just a couple I will. And I'm going to have you hold a place and then come back. In other words, I'm going to have you all come to church and do what you're supposed to do. Amen? All right. Okay. So everybody knows the story of Moses. For the last two, three weeks, uh, pastors went through talking about Joseph, how he went from the pit to Potiphar's to the palace. So I wasn't trying to kind of continue on with it, which I'm not. But I wanted to kind of help you guys understand. Everybody knows, you know, how we were the, the Jews, the Israelites were saved out of Egypt by Moses, right? Y'all know this story, Prince of Egypt and all that? Yeah? Okay. Did you guys realize, though, there was about 300 years in between when Joseph died and when Moses was born? It was about 300 years. That's a long period of time. So I say that because in the midst of that, the Israelites had an opportunity to, to live prosperously for about 300 years after Joseph's death, and then they started to be enslaved. Okay? So I want to kind of get you guys' mind wrapped around that, okay? So about 300 years. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 16. I'm going to read it, but I want you guys kind of to read along with me. I'm coming from the New King James Version. So if you're using your app, so there be a couple of words different maybe. Maybe you could change it to New King James Version. When you're there, say, I got it. Not there yet. Give me a couple minutes. Where is Exodus? Chapter 1, verse 6 through 16. Everybody there? Almost? Okay. I'll read it. It says, And Joseph died, all his brothers and all the generations. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them 
with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in the dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives of whom the name of one was Sephra and the name of the other was Pa. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill them. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. So we're going to stop there real quick. What exactly did the Israelites do to deserve that? What exactly? Now think about stuff that happens in our lives. Some things happen in our lives just out of nowhere. Am I right? And we try to figure out, why did that? I didn't do anything to deserve that. How do you think these guys were feeling? They wanted to kill every newborn boy. Now, I'm not going to go further in there. I'm going to jump off to something else. But Joseph died while living in Egypt. He was 110 years old. A new king enslaved the Israelites, then tells the midwives to kill the newborn boys. The Israelites were enslaved after living prosperous lives because of how God blessed Joseph. Now keep that in mind. They were living a prosperous life because of how God blessed Joseph. The reason they were in Egypt was because of Joseph. They had to hold on for 80 years, 80 years until Moses came around. Sometimes we go through things for a week, a month, a year. They went through it for 80 years, saints. It kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Sometimes issues happen and we have no say of what the outcome could be or why it happened. Now let's turn real quick to the book of Nehemiah. I'll give you guys a second for that. Nehemiah chapter 1. Give you guys a quick summary of it. So the Israelites, they, they, they got out of Egypt because of Moses. He got them out of Egypt. They got to the promised land. And then it was kind of back and forth during those years. They, they went back and forth. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to disobey God. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to disobey God until God said enough's enough. And he sent King Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem and scattered the Israelites. So they're scattered all about. Some of them are now coming back to the ruins of how Jerusalem and Judea had been burnt up, knocked down. All the walls were all crumbled. And now comes the time of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, who, this guy was pretty sharp. Uh, his name actually means Jehovah Comforts. So let's, let's look at something real quick. Nehemiah 
was in position, he was in a position like Joseph, he was in a position like Esther, he was in a position like Daniel. What do I mean by that? He worked in the palace. And give you an idea, it's kind of like working, working in the White House, working for the president. You just don't walk up to the gates of the White House and say, I want a job. You gotta have security clearance. You gotta come highly recommended. So Nehemiah, not only that, Nehemiah was a cupbearer, and I'll get to that in a second. But you just don't, to, to the, in the position that he was in, you had to have some substance about you. He was meek. Nehemiah was meek, meaning he was powerful but under control. He was disciplined. He stayed focused in the midst of the storms. He stayed on task. He was trusted. He was the king's cupbearer, the last person to inspect the king's drink. There was a lot of poisoning going on back then. He was obedient. He did what he was told to do. He was submissive. You think about that word, obedient. Most people see that as weakness nowadays. I want to do it my way. I got another idea. I got a better idea. The most important character trait of Nehemiah, he was hungry. He had a burning desire. Nothing great is ever achieved without a burning desire. He wanted to help the people. He wanted to help the Jewish people. He wanted to help the Israelites. The Jews had been living in ruins for over 150 years. The walls they were knocked down. He had to get them rebuilt, and the, the gates were destroyed. They were all burnt up. Even in the midst of revealing all the troubles within his heart, he had fear when it came time for him to tell the king what was wrong with him, why he was troubled. He took courage in replying back to the king, and then he told the king every single thing that he needed and it was granted to him. So in Nehemiah chapter two, you all there? I gave you all enough time to get to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter two, verses one through nine, I'll read it, and it says, uh, and it came to pass the month of Nisa, in the 20th year of King Archises, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king now, I had never been sad in the presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lie waste, and his gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judea, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, with the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? 
So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the rain region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judea. And a letter of Aspha, the, king, the, the keeper of the king's force, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple of the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to him according to his good hand of my God upon me. Last, last verse. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king has set captains of the army and horsemen with me. How cool is that? Not only was he granted the request to go and help rebuild, he also was given protection. He was given supplies. Man, we, we serve an awesome God. Now, all right, you got your thumb on Nehemiah? Flip back to Genesis. We're going to go to the end of Genesis. Well, let's do a quick comparison. Genesis chapter 50. Verses 1 through 7. When you're there, say, I got it. All right, so I'll read it. It says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him. For such are the days required for those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians moaned, mourned him 70 days. Now when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying in the grave which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up Listen, check this out. All the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. Joseph was a bad boy. But not only that, his father was really, really respected. They just wouldn't have sent all those folks, all those important people with Joseph if his dad wasn't someone to be respected. Amen? You see the comparison here? The, the, the characteristics of both of these guys, Joseph and Nehemiah, they, they both were meek, they both were disciplined, they both were trusted, they both were obedient. And they both had a burning desire. And the same, basically the same thing was granted to them. What is your request? I'll give it to you. 
we take that for granted sometimes. Where we want stuff, but we forget about the characteristics we need in order to get the stuff. Now, let's go back to Nehemiah. Now, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to give you a quick, quick summary. While rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites tried to stop their progress with threats. Half the workers stood guard with weapons, and the other half worked. There was frustration among the Jews regarding, you all be able to relate to this, there was frustration among the Jews regarding the lack of money for food, debt, uncalled for taxes, and work that needed to be done in their own homes, on their own farms. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> Nehemiah got it all worked out, though. He got it all worked out with God's help. And in 52 days, he helped to rebuild those broken sections of the wall and rebuilt the gates. With half the workload, that was nothing but God. That was nothing but God. See, with God on our side, we can get more than what we ask for. We can get done what we need to get done in probably half the amount of time. But we also have to have the proper characteristics in our own lives in order to be blessed with that. Notice they were not just watching and praying. They were working and praying. And because of their faithfulness, over 50,000 lives were secured. 50,000 lives. You got to think back in those days, you weren't considered safe where you lived if you didn't have walls up around you. Because anybody could come in and ravage the land or even kill, kill you. So all the walls were, they had broken sections all over the place. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring too much stuff. I did a lot of research, but a lot of the areas of where this, where Jerusalem is, was on a slant. So portions of that wall, it wasn't. It wasn't easy to rebuild those because it was on a. It was on an incline. So it was a lot of. It took a lot of work, but they got it done. In our lives, sometimes we've got bondage that holds us, holds us back that keeps us from holding on. There's areas in our lives that we need to get rebuilt or restored. Um, there's things that uh, we just need help with. So I thought about this, this message and I was thinking about, you know, what do I title it? I said, hold on. But what, what, what do you need to hold on? What, what, what am I gonna use? Faith. Faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 through 31, it says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith they overcame. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, Move from here and there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. 
Last verse. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 7. Therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and distress. Any of y'all got any of that? In all our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. By your faith, by your faith, you can encourage other people. Because it's not all about you. It's not all about me. But by my faith, I can encourage someone else. There's people watching you. You encourage other people by standing strong, by standing in the gap. Hold on to faith in God. Why? Because he's still on the throne. He's still in control. Believe that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Believe that he will never allow you to have more than you can bear. First you cast, then you ask. Receive his peace that comes from believing and receiving. Hold on to faith in yourself. Believe that you are capable of true success. Believe that you are good enough. A lot of times we put ourselves down. Believe and receive that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hold on to faith in your fellow man. Believe that they will become all that God wants them to become. And I know that's hard when you think about some people. Believe that your relationship with your spouse, your boss, your children will get better. Hold on to faith in the midst of your storm. Any of y'all got a storm? Believe that your health will be better. Believe that your finances will be better. Believe that our city, our state, our country will be better. What's the other option? If we don't believe, if we let go, we start to drift. When we start to drift, we start to disbelieve. We turn negative. We start doubting. The enemy keep creeps in. Then we grow weary and we just give up. We become fearful and weak and useless, basically. So you either, you hold on to faith or you don't. I choose faith. I choose faith. The Israelites, they kept holding on for 80 years of slavery. For us, sometimes it's a week or a month, a couple years. Remember, um, our faith example can strengthen. Well, guess what? The faith example of the Israelites to Jewish people way back in the Old Testament is for us. Do we, either, do we believe the word or don't we? Let's not get caught up in the day-to-day -day grind. The quick, I want the answers now. They don't come quickly all the time. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But are you going to hold on and trust God? Israelites did. And look how they were blessed. The two examples of Joseph and Nehemiah, he used two people. Can he use you? 
What can one person do? What did they do? How many people's lives were changed because of them? How many people's lives are going to be changed because of you? They believed that God would lead them back to Jerusalem and get the walls built and the gates restored. They believed that. God put a burning desire inside of those, inside of Nehemiah to get that done. God put a burning desire inside Joseph. He gave him that dream. Remember the dream? When he was in the field and he was telling his brothers and his brothers started hating on him. All those people were bowing down. It just, and it happened though, didn't it? So God put a burning desire inside of each and every one of us. Don't think that you're too old. Don't think that it's too late. Don't think that you're too young. He put a burning desire inside of each and every one of us. He gave us the word for an example that it can happen. Are we going to hold on and believe, have faith, and walk in that? Can he restore your finances? Can he restore your health? Absolutely. No big deal. See, we, we, could, we, could, we could have a, a negative mindset or a positive mindset. Joseph and all the things that happened to him, being thrown in a pit, being enslaved, being accused of rape, being thrown in a dungeon, and then he was raised up to help out his people, to lead them. What if he would have turned negative? What if he would have turned negative? What if Nehemiah, when everything was in ruins in Jerusalem and his people were scattered all over the place, just gave up hope and said, well, it'll never happen because my people are all over the place. We'll never be able. We don't have cell phones. We don't have email. There's no way to get in contact with those people. But when God's in control, he can make the impossible possible. Man, I, I tell you. Holding on to something, man, because there's nobody in here that's perfect. And uh, But when we're faithful and we're faithful to work it out, when we're faithful to do better and we hold on to God's unchanging hand, we can get through and we can make things right through the examples of our characteristics being meek being faithful, being obedient, trust, trustworthy, and then keeping that burning desire lit inside of us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and what it has to say to us and how the, the examples that you've given us, they're true. They're not just a, a cute story. They're true. And when we believe that, and say, Lord, you know what? I messed up this week. I messed up last month. I messed up last year. I don't know if I can do any better. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. There's people in my word that have done worse than you. And I still use them. I can use you. Lord, I pray for uh, everyone that's in here. All the things that they've done some good, some bad. Nobody's judging. But Lord, 
We want to do better. We want you to use us. We want you to use us so that we can, we can save a nation, so that we can save a neighborhood, we can save our children even. Allow us to correct the, maybe the wrong directions. Allow us to get the wrong thoughts out of our mind, to flush them out with the good thoughts. Allow us to keep the distractions of the negative influences out of our lives. Allow us to really take, take in what you've put in your word and believe them and receive them and work it out. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, if there's someone, someone here this morning and they're going this afternoon and they're going, I don't know what this whole faith thing is all about. Um, the only way you can really truly understand faith. Now, there is such a thing as non-believing faith, but there's nothing like a believer's faith. With God on your side, nothing is impossible. I just pray for their salvation. That's not meaning joining a church. That's not meaning becoming um, some weirdo that no one can really relate to. That's, that's saying, I don't know exactly where my life is going to be or what I'm supposed to do. But Lord, if you can help me start to put that into perspective, start to get my life lined up and doing the right thing, I want you to come into my life and guide me in the right direction so I can help others. Just pray that prayer and say, Lord, help me understand you. I repent from all the things that I've ever done that were harmful to others and myself. Please forgive me, and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and what he did on the cross back over 2,000 years ago, how he died for something that he didn't even do, but he took all the sins of the world upon himself, and then he rose again to show that he is the only true living God and he's still on the throne. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, Father. And as we uh, end this service, I pray that you're uh, your people. There's been a change. There's been a, maybe something that they heard that they never heard before and something that can help spark something exciting in their life. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.